Hello, and welcome to A Health Podacy. So if looking at that finding another way, among all of the preventable pregnancy-related deaths in our analysis, mental health conditions were the leading underlying cause. I'm your host, Alan Weil. The United States has the worst maternal mortality rates among developed countries, with approximately 700 pregnancy-related deaths every year. One response to this crisis has been the creation of state and local Maternal Mortality Review Committees, or MMRCs, which are multidisciplinary committees that examine the context in which maternal deaths occur. Now, the October 2021 issue of Health Affairs focused on perinatal mental health, and MMRC reports provide a treasure trove of information that can help us understand the role perinatal mental health plays in maternal mortality and what it might take to achieve better results. Addressing perinatal mental health as a factor in maternal mortality is the topic of today's health policy. I'm here with Susanna Trost, who after receiving her MPH from Emory University, became an O-RISE fellow at the CDC. Ms. Trost and co-authors published a paper in the October 2021 issue of Health Affairs, analyzing data from 14 state and local MMRCs regarding pregnancy-related maternal deaths. Studying these determinations from 2008 to 2017, Ms. Trost and her colleagues identified the characteristics of and factors contributing to pregnancy-related deaths caused by mental health conditions, including substance use disorder. They found that mental health conditions are the underlying cause of nearly one in nine pregnancy-related deaths, all of which were considered preventable. We'll discuss this and many more findings on today's episode. Ms. Trost, welcome to the program. Hi, Alan. Thanks so much for having me today. Thanks for joining us. This is a really important paper, and it taps into data that probably a lot of people aren't familiar with. So just to get us started, you looked at MMRC data from 14 states. Can you explain in a little more detail than I did in the introduction what an MMRC is, what it does, who sits on them, and why do we only have data from 14 states? Sure. So maternal mortality review committees, um, or we often refer to them as MMRCs, are multidisciplinary committees that identify and review deaths occurring during pregnancy or within one year from the end of pregnancy. So typically, these committees are coordinated by state or jurisdictional health departments, and they include representatives from a various backgrounds. So backgrounds such as psychiatry, obstetrics and gynecology, maternal fetal medicine, public health, community organizations, midwifery, patient advocacy groups, really a diversity of backgrounds sitting on these committees. These committees have access to a variety of information beyond just death certificate data. So they look at records such as medical records, law enforcement reports, social service records, autopsy reports, and increasingly these committees are also able to conduct interviews of family members. So using all of this information, MMRCs review each death that occurs during pregnancy or within one year from the end of pregnancy to make determinations on the pregnancy relatedness, so whether the death was causally related to pregnancy, looking at the underlying cause of death, the preventability of the death, as well as identify the contributors to each death. MMRCs also make detailed recommendations based on those identified contributing factors in order to prevent similar deaths from occurring in the future. MMRCs really offer data that's not captured in other maternal mortality surveillance systems and really offer the most comprehensive review of a pregnant or postpartum person's life and the events that surround their death. 
So as you mentioned, our analysis um, focused on 14 state MMRCs, but nationally there are uh, currently 50 existing MMRCs. They exist in 47 states and in three cities. So the inclusion of only 14 states in this analysis compared with those 50 existing MMRCs really reflects this rapid growth over the past decade um, in the level of support that CDC is able to offer these committees. Data for this analysis were voluntarily shared by the 14 MMRCs in 2018, and this was prior to the start of our Enhancing Reviews and Surveillance to Eliminate Maternal Mortality program, which started in 2019. And as part of that program, CDC is now providing funding that supports 31 state MMRCs. And we will be aggregating and analyzing data on pregnancy-related deaths from all funded MMRCs um, starting in 2022. And so we've really seen the number of existing MMRCs grow over time, and we're excited for future analyses to include data from even more jurisdictions. Well, it's great that we're going to have even more of this rich uh, data set, uh, given as you described, the depth of review of each maternal death. And um, I'm glad to know of the the growth. Uh, Of course, it's for unfortunate reasons, but the investment uh, clearly is needed. Now, you refer to pregnancy-related deaths, and that seems like a key factor in which deaths we're looking at. So can you give us a little more clarity about what leads to a death being classified as pregnancy-related? And so determining the, the pregnancy-relatedness of these deaths is really a core function of these maternal mortality review committees. And so, as I mentioned before, MMRCs have access to a wide range of information. Um, and so the first step in this review process is really... Um, the abstraction of all available records by state abstractors. And so usually these abstractors have obstetric nursing experience and they abstract all of this information into a standardized data abstraction system that's hosted by CDC. So this system is called the Maternal Mortality Review Information Application um, or often referred to as MARIA. Using this uh, comprehensive information that's abstracted into Maria, the abstractors then develop a case narrative, which really summarizes the details about the person's life and the chain of events that led to their death. Committees are then able to review these narratives and discuss each death um, and use this information to complete a standardized committee decisions form, with the first item on the form being um, whether the death was pregnancy related. So a pregnancy-related death is defined as the death due to a pregnancy complication, a chain of events initiated by the pregnancy, or the aggravation of an unrelated condition by the physiologic effects of pregnancy. So often when we hear committees ask themselves, had the individual not been pregnant, would they have died? And when the manner of death is from an overdose or suicide, it's often more challenging for committees to determine this pregnancy relatedness. So the Utah MMRC has developed and published a set of criteria that they use to help guide their relatedness decisions during the review of their deaths. So these criteria have been really helpful for other MMRCs as well. Um, And CDC is currently working with the authors of these criteria to really move to a a standard set of national consensus criteria for determining the relatedness of overdose and suicide deaths. Now, our October issue focuses on perinatal mental health, and your paper focuses on mental health. So let's look at the subset of deaths that are examined by MMRCs. How many of them were examined? What share of these pregnancy-related deaths were due to mental health conditions? So we looked at 421 pregnancy-related deaths um, where there was an MMRC-determined underlying cause of death. 
And among those 421 pregnancy-related deaths, 11% had mental health conditions as the underlying cause. And so that's nearly one in nine pregnancy-related deaths having mental health conditions as the underlying cause of death. A lot of what you provide in the paper is the detail around uh, who these people are, what the circumstances are. It's very hard to summarize a complex paper in an audio conversation, but can you pull out some of the subgroups that you examined where you saw rates of mental health-related deaths either particularly high or lower than average? So while we know that American Indian, Alaska Native, and Black women are two to three times as likely to die from a pregnancy-related cause than white women, our paper actually found that within these 14 states, the pregnancy-related mental health deaths largely occurred among non-Hispanic white persons. And so this finding really highlights the importance of the continued work to understand the leading causes of pregnancy-related death and looking at those leading causes by race and ethnicity, as well as the crucial role of MMRCs in reviewing all pregnancy-related deaths so that we can really identify those specific contributing factors to the death and make recommendations that address these disparities. We also found that the pregnancy-related deaths due to mental health conditions were more likely to occur during the later postpartum period. So specifically, those 43 days to 365 days after the end of pregnancy and that the majority of these pregnancy-related mental health deaths occurred among individuals who were covered by Medicaid, either during prenatal care or at the time of delivery. Now, a key uh, decision point for the MMRC is whether or not the death is determined to be preventable. What is the rate of preventability of the deaths associated with mental health conditions, according to these reviews? Sure. So a death is considered preventable if the MMRC determines that there is at least some chance of the death being averted by one or more reasonable changes to patient, provider, facility system, and or community factors. And so having a diversity of records, as well as many voices at the table, is so important for the committees to make this decision in order to really understand those circumstances surrounding the death, as well as identify opportunities where the death could have been prevented. So in our analysis, 37 deaths had a preventability determination made by the MMRCs, and among those with a determination, 100% were determined by the MMRCs to be preventable. So if looking at that finding another way, among all of the preventable pregnancy-related deaths in our analysis, mental health conditions were the leading underlying cause. So we have a maternal mortality crisis in this country. One-ninth of the deaths analyzed in your paper are associated with mental health conditions, 100% of those presumably could have been prevented with appropriate interventions. I really want to move into a conversation about what we do about this. This seems like such a critical finding and an opportunity for improvement. Uh, We'll have that conversation after we take a short break. Do you want to improve healthcare? Explore the University of Pennsylvania's Master of Healthcare Innovation. In the program, you can learn from expert faculty, network with professionals from across healthcare, and innovate in your workplace and career. Learn more about this 20-month online degree. Sign up for an info session or start your application at improvinghealthcare.net. And we're back. I'm speaking with Susanna Trost about preventing pregnancy-related mental health deaths 
a paper in our October 2021 issue that took reports from 14 states' maternal mortality review committees and analyzed them. Now, before the break, we talked a lot about the incidence of maternal mortality related to uh, mental health conditions. Now, let's talk about how we might do better. Um, There's so much in these reports, as you said at the outset, they're, they're looking at so many different dimensions of the context in which these deaths occur. I wonder if there's some elements of the context that stood out for you. In particular, I note that the paper talks about sort of individual circumstances, but also community and social context. And maybe you can tell us a little bit more about what we know about the life circumstances of these deaths, uh, all of which, according to these MMRCs, could have been prevented. One finding that really stood out to me was that 63% of these pregnancy-related mental health deaths were occurring 43 days to one year after the end of pregnancy. And so this really shows a need for care continuation as well as coordination throughout that entire year postpartum. In, in order to really address maternal mortality, we need to understand when these leading causes of death are occurring in order to implement strategies for prevention that continue beyond just pregnancy and that immediate postpartum period. The other finding that really stood out to me was the presence of life stressors in the lives of individuals with the pregnancy-related mental health death. So looking at the data, 24% of persons had documentation of child protective service involvement or removal of a child from custody. 20% had documentation of domestic violence, and 13% had documentation of an adverse childhood event. So while um, this is cross-sectional data and we can't say the role that these stressors played in the subsequent suicide or overdose death, these findings really do emphasize the importance of strategies that go beyond just clinical interventions and highlight those missed opportunities to address social and structural barriers. Yeah, I mean, causation here doesn't seem to be the only thing that matters. If these are risk factors and we can Uh, target resources towards those who have those risk factors, that seems relevant, uh, even if we can't draw a direct uh, causal link. And it sounds like that's what you're suggesting we ought to do. You mentioned earlier that one of the roles of the MMRCs is to make uh, recommendations. And so again, you have compilation across these 14 different states. Uh, What are some of the recommendations that came out of the MMRC process? The power of MMRC recommendations is that they really address the specific factors that contributed to the deaths that are being reviewed. And because MMRCs are based at the state or local level, these recommendations are really tailored to the systems in the jurisdiction where that death occurred. So when analyzing the MMRC recommendations for prevention, we found that most recommendations fit into some specific topic areas, which is how we chose to present those recommendations in the paper. So thinking about coordination of care, MMRC recommendations included things like using common electronic medical records across providers as well as across hospital systems, as well as improving coordination between psychiatry and obstetric providers. Um, MMRC recommendations related to treatment and services for substance use disorder and mental health conditions included things like providing in-home services for mom and making sure that they're including technology options improving the reach of home visiting programs to more zip codes and making sure that there's accessibility to individuals with unstable housing, as well as increasing access to crisis response and walk-in centers for individuals needing substance use or mental health resources and treatment. 
Thinking about some MMRC recommendations around education, these included things like increasing public awareness about the signs and symptoms of postpartum depression, as well as incorporating this information into labor and delivery discharge information, as well as addressing substance use disorder and stigma among healthcare providers. So many of the recommendations made by MMRCs address factors that really go beyond control of the individual patient or provider in order to make changes at the systems or community level. Yes, and it seems like uh, bringing together, although you noted at the outset that uh, they're targeting their own systems, it does seem like there's a lot of cross-state learning that's possible here, and the CDC and the paper uh, you led on are a good example of efforts to to compile across those different kinds of systems. I did note that substance use disorders really stand out in this paper. Uh, I wonder if you could say a little more about policies specific to pregnancy that could reduce deaths associated with substance use disorders. The American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists has several recommendations to address substance use disorder during pregnancy, um, which include things like provision of medications for opioid use disorders and programs to help prevent relapse during the postpartum period. Um, Specifically thinking about some of those MMRC recommendations that address substance use disorder, both during pregnancy as well as during the postpartum period, um, MMRCs made recommendations such as making naloxone readily available to individuals with the history of substance use, as well as their family members, and ensuring naloxone is available at home for people who are prescribed opioids. Um, Additional recommendations included establishing standard of care for providers to check controlled substance databases, as well as establish standardized prenatal and postpartum screening for substance use. So it sounds like there's quite a lot we could do in this area. You know, um, we often in these kinds of analyses come up with recommendations related to screening, assessment, and the like. Now, my understanding is we already have depression screening guidelines in place. Um, What more could we do to make those either more effective or to reach a larger segment of the population who potentially uh, is affected by these conditions? That's a great question. And MMRC recommendations really address the importance of using standardized screening tools during prenatal and postpartum visits, as well as ensuring that those screenings are language and culture appropriate. Um, But while screening for both substance use and mental health conditions is very important, as you said, screening alone is not enough. And so we need to ensure that when an individual has a positive screen, they're referred to appropriate treatment. So, for example, MMRC recommendations included educating providers on mental health specialists to whom they can refer patients to, as well as referral to appropriate treatment during prenatal and postpartum care. Coordination of care between obstetric, mental health, and substance use providers, including the personalized transfer of care, has also been shown to be crucial for ensuring a prompt follow-up and receipt of care. Um, And then access and financial barriers must also be addressed to ensure equitable access to care. So especially thinking in the context of our finding that 63% of individuals were covered by Medicaid during prenatal care or at time of delivery. Well, you've uh, given us just uh, a great overview of this paper, and there's much more for those who read it. Before I let you go, I I bet some of our listeners don't know about the O-RISE fellowships, and I wondered if you could just tell us a little bit about that. Sure. So it's a it's a really great program um, that is so you can actually be placed in um, many different agencies um, throughout the government. But so my specific fellowship is placed in the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Um, And it's really a a wonderful opportunity um, 
to to really work within CDC, but also to get additional training opportunities and and really um, learn those skills that will be necessary to to really kickstart my career in public health and continue to work in this field of epidemiology. Um, so I would definitely encourage everyone who's interested. Um, in a career in, in epidemiology or in public health in general to, to look up some opportunities um, to work as an ORISE fellow. Great. Well, uh, Ms. Trost, thank you so much for explaining the content of the paper, for the role you played in bringing it to fruition, and for being my guest today on A Health Policy. Thank you for having me today. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, I hope you'll tell a friend about A Health Policy. Health Policy is produced by Health Affairs, the leading journal for health policy research. The team behind the show includes Patty Sweet, Jeff Byers, Julia Vivolo, Sarah Kolk, and Sue Ducat. Like the show? Subscribe to A Health Policy on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Thanks for listening, and have a great morning, day, or evening. <laughs>